This podcast is presented to you by a new series, The Clergy Confessions Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcast. Listen to ministers share truly awful experiences in anonymity. In this first season, you will hear stories of a minister fighting for maternity leave deep into her pregnancy, a pastor being fired for discovering an embezzlement scheme by the deacon board, an associate pastor finding his senior pastor and office administrator having an affair on church property, and so much more. Visit clergyconfessions.com. Follow Clergy Confessions on Instagram, Facebook, and whatever Twitter's called now. So let's let's break some of these down to size. We know that one of the major reasons people are leaving the church is their distrust of the local church around issues of belonging, and socio-political perspectives, and more. How do we cultivate trust in an era of uh, uh, division? Uh, but more importantly, these tremendous generational gaps that I yeah. think we're seeing, you know, probably for the first time and there's always been generational gaps right but it right. feels like this current era of generational gaps is larger than any other yeah. generation before us Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter, so each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. I'm Edna Hale, your podcast host. This year we're celebrating our eighth year on the podcast, bringing you better interviews with your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to an island unto yourself. Get online and share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF Podcast community through our CBF Podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We also want to give a special shout out to some of our listener supporters, including the Honorable Charles Qualls, Caroline Bell, Cindy Foldenlore, Trip Hawthorne, Bill Johnson, Carson Fushi, Ralph Stocks, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. Thanks for listening, Little Rock, Arkansas, Pittsburgh, PA, Ashburn, Virginia, West Yellowstone, Montana, Tamworth, Australia, and Hamilton, Canada. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. And before we move on, we need to give a word of gratitude to our annual sponsors, including Zondervan Media Company, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, A Model Ministry, and Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity. Finally, and I promise this is it, don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platform. We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity. The Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity aims to equip, nurture, encourage, and support men and women for their best service in the kingdom of God. Offering several programs, including master's and doctoral levels, you'll be equipped and encouraged to discover the unique place where your faith reaches out to meet the needs of the world. Now enrolling for fall of 2023, for more information about Gardner-Webb Divinity Program scholarships and grants, call 704-406-3205 and visit gardner-webb.edu. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Dr. Kara Powell. She is the Chief of Leadership Formation and the Executive Director of Fuller Youth Institute, along with the Professor of Youth and Family Ministries at Fuller Theological Seminary. She's also the author of numerous books, including Growing Young and Sticky Faith. Kara, thank you for joining the conversation. Oh, my pleasure. Looking forward to a good discussion here, Andy. 
so pre-record, I was telling you, it's actually been a while since we've had you on. We've had FYI folks on. Uh, Brad's been on a whole bunch, but yeah. uh, it's been a few years since we had you on. Um, what, what's the latest with the uh, with the Fuller Youth Institute? Yeah, well, um, it's an exciting season for FYI, as it always seems to be. Uh, you know, I think when we look at what young people are navigating, we're of course very touched by young people's challenges with mental health, anxiety, depression, even suicide. So we've been responding with some new resources related to mental health. Um, and then also we have a new book coming out uh, on November 7th. And super excited about that, that I co-authored with Brad Griffin and Jen Bradbury called Faith Beyond Youth Group, which in the midst of youth pastors being somewhat encouraged by the fruit they're seeing out of their youth ministries, but also if we're honest, Mm, wondering why we aren't seeing more kingdom fruit out of our youth ministries. We did a deep dive into what it would look like to really have character and living out Jesus's love be an active part, not just of 90 minutes of youth group, but seven days a week. And so that's uh, the heart of our newest batch of research and our newest book. Yeah, we're going to I get to the book in just a second. You know, you you all have like a multiplicity of things that that you all resource folks through. So, what what are some things that you would want to plug about FYI? Yeah, well, please go to our website, fullyouthinstitute.org. and if you aren't already signed up for our free weekly emails, boy, we'd sure love to get the best research that we're doing and that we know of, of into your hands every week. So that's a fantastic starting place. And then also on our website, you can see our podcast, you can see uh, more about our social media presence, et cetera. But you know, we, we offer as much as we can for free and our website's the best place to access all of that. So, um, you know, one, one quick question before we get to the book and, and maybe this isn't a quick question, you know, um, I kind of wear multiple hats in my my role and yeah. in my role for CBF North Carolina. One of the hats I wear is around resourcing churches and ministerial transitions and relating mm. to our, our partner seminaries. And one of the concerning trends we've seen is uh, really a lot of our seminaries to stay competitive um, kind of across the board are reducing the number of hours required for a master of divinity degree. Sure. Totally. And, and the classes they're cutting yeah. tend to be, yeah. Um, the uh, age-based ministries yeah. uh, type, type things. And so we're seeing a drastic reduction in the focus around children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult yeah. ministry. Um, and churches are continuing to look for those positions. You know, right. so what are, what are you all seeing on, on the West Coast? Uh, how, how are you all kind of wrapping your minds around these recent trends and changes? Yeah, you know, you're right. On the seminary level, that's what we're seeing. And then also on the college undergrad level, youth ministry majors seem to be shrinking in terms of the number of students. And yet uh, churches are wanting, still wanting to hire youth leaders and often having a hard time finding people for those roles. Um, so, uh, you know, I think part of what's happening is that a lot of youth leaders are becoming bivocational, co-vocational, et cetera. And then that gets pretty challenging. You're doing multiple jobs within a church or a job within a church and then another job or two on the side to try to 
you know, support your family's finances. And, and that gets really challenging. Um, part of what we're about at the Fuller Youth Institute is really trying to elevate congregational imagination overall for young people. So certainly the bulk of who we resource are youth leaders. And to your point, you know, we want to help senior leaders understand how young people can be an active part of their church becoming more vibrant. And that really has been one of the themes in our research, Andy, especially in our growing young research, that when congregations emphasize young people, then it helps everybody across the congregation. Like there's more vitality, energy, innovation, passion that comes from those young people that, you know, is kind of like a layer that coats across the entire congregation. And so, so part of what we would say is even if there aren't, you know, specific, as many specific classes on youth ministry, how can we help anybody who's preparing for leadership, whether it's undergrad or at the seminary level? To, to start thinking differently about uh, the next generation. And, you know, one of our invitations is we would love for young people to be ideally one of your top three priorities as a church leader, uh, or if you have to top five, but either top three or top five priorities. So that would be our invitation to senior leaders, lead pastors, executive pastors. You said on a couple of things we'll come back to as we kind of, um, you know, crack open this book and examine sure. a bit. Um, obviously let's start right there. You, you've got a new book, uh, faith yeah. beyond youth group. This book explores ways to form character and cultivate lifelong disciples. You wrote, we know, uh, you want a faith that demonstrates not only that Christianity is good, um, but also that it is good. Um, why is this resource needed for our, our current context? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give a couple reasons. I could give about 12, but I'll, I'll, I'll stop myself with only two. Um, you know, one is young people today, um, when they look at the church, they see a lot of conflict, a lot of fighting, a lot of bitterness, a lot of hatred uh, within churches they know about and, you know, church to church <laughs> conflict and uh, strife. And they're just seeing a lot of division in our world, right? Especially, you know, in the last five or six years, U.S. election pandemic, et cetera. And so, you know, our invitation is, gosh, what if the church, what if Jesus' followers could be known for how we are living out Jesus's love by the way we actually manifest character in our day-to-day actions? So, so, you know, I would say part of this is we're, we're trying to, or we want to help the church be what we think God wants it to be. Um, and it was designed to be, if you look at the commands in scripture, if you look at the imperatives, Old and New Testament, there's so much that's rich there about how we are to be kind and merciful and show justice, et cetera. So how do we have a church that's like that, that we think will be a whole lot more magnetic for young people? But then a second reason, if I can give a second reason, um, you know, the the data on morale of leaders today is pretty depressing <laughs> when it comes to church leaders. Barna's done research that over 40% of pastors have seriously contemplated leaving youth ministry. The youth cartel did a parallel study, over 30% of youth leaders. So, you know, you've got at least one out of three leaders who are thinking about leaving their ministerial role. And Harvard Business Review did a fascinating piece on how a lot of times being burnt out, being depleted is because we're overworked, but sometimes it's because we're not seeing enough results. And so in addition to helping the church be all the church can be, we also want to help youth leaders use their time well, use their energy well, know what to invest in, 
within the youth group context to create a faith that lasts beyond those 90 minutes. So, so those are, those are just a couple of reasons, Andy, we felt the research was so important. Uh, character is, is obviously central to this book. Um, so define for us what you mean by character. Yeah, which, great. Which note to note to listeners, there's an entire chapter dedicated to answering <laughs> this question. So. And I won't just read that chapter aloud. We won't do that. Well, you know, it was interesting is uh, our the funding that was behind this research came from the John Templeton Foundation, which has done quite a bit of work on character and virtue development. And part of their vision was, gosh, can we help this work that's been done in character in all sorts of settings make more of a difference in Christian churches? So that was a big part of their vision. And so we started by testing with youth leaders, you know, what do you think about character? What do you think about virtue? And honestly, neither word resonated very positively with youth leaders. Youth leaders tended to think of character and virtue as like what their grandma cared about um or you know an elementary school curriculum that was overly behavioral or you know maybe parents desires if i can be super direct here for a moment maybe a parents desire that their kid would get through youth group and be you know a nice virgin by the time they graduated from high school and you know that's a parent's definition of character and and all that i mean i'm not interested in any of those definitions of character but if we can redefine character to be more about Jesus and more about love, then yeah, I'll double click on that all day. And so to answer your question with that preface, to answer your question, the way we define character is living out Jesus's every day by loving God and our neighbors. So, sorry, leaving out Jesus's goodness every day by loving God and our neighbors. So it's very centered on Jesus and the goodness of Jesus. And it's very tangible in the way we show our love to our Lord, as well as any and every neighbor. So that's our definition of character. We're we're kind of reclaiming character is our hope. We're going to break that down a little bit more. So, you know, you argue in the book that there are gaps in character development of teenagers. What do you mean by that? And, and why do you think that is? Yeah, well, I think I'll start with the why. I think a lot of um, a lot of the reason that young people are not uh, really moving forward in character development is because they're often not seeing it modeled in adults around them um, and including in the church. You know, my daughter, uh, one of my daughters had an experience a couple weeks ago that literally within a half an hour, she heard about two church leaders at different churches, both of whom she knew, who had moral failures, like in the same half hour. Um, and you know, she was understandably a little shaken by that. Like, if I can't count on these pastors to be people of integrity, then what does that mean for who we are as Jesus followers? So we had to process that. She and I had to process, yes, we're all sinners. Uh, we're all in process of, of being redeemed and reconciled to God. We all make mistakes. And so, you know, I, I, not only are we talked a few minutes ago about how young people are seeing churches so toxic, I think young people are also seeing churches hypocritical. They're not having the examples. And so, you know, how do we make sure that as adults, we're first of all aligned with Jesus's goodness by the way we love God and our neighbor every day so that we're that model for young people. Um, and then also part of what we, we think when it comes to character is we're not only we're not modeling it, we're not teaching it very well. And so we actually have in the book, it the book really revolves around a five point compass that we've created for Faith Beyond Youth Group. And one of those points is teaching for transformation. 
and we try to break down some of the well-intentioned mistakes we've been making when it comes to young people and, and really help us all teach more for actual change. Again, not just in youth group, but for life outside of youth group. Youth group isn't for youth group. Youth group is for after youth group, really. And so, you know, how can we, how can we get on that trajectory? We can't go any further without talking about one of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. How does your congregation handle ministry staff leadership for areas such as youth and children's ministry? More and more churches are cultivating these leaders from within their congregations. Going away to seminary is not an option for these persons, yet many desire some level of theological education to better prepare them for their ministry role. In response to this trend, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky has launched the Homegrown Initiative. The Homegrown Initiative offers ministry leaders options for training and growth that fits into their busy schedules. If you or someone else at your church is serving as a homegrown minister and is looking to be better equipped as a minister, visit bsk.edu to learn more about new creative options for growth. bsk.edu. That's bsk.edu. You wrote, character is never about behaviorism or an attempt to earn God's love or a place of belonging in specific community. Instead, living out a Christ-like character is our response to being holy and complexly complexly loved by god take yeah. us a little deeper here uh, just you reading that like i found myself getting emotional um andy because i mean this is this is the good news of what it means to be a jesus follower is of any religion of any religion christianity is the only one that i know of where it's not about our works it's not about our behavior it's not about our actions it's fundamentally about what jesus did for us and so in the midst of uh, a culture and a world that emphasizes works mentality and achievement and appearance and so many things uh, uh, you know that aren't core to who we are in some ways um, you know, Christianity stands in stark contrast and says, it's not about your works, it's about Jesus's work. So, I, I mean, I, we just have to start there. Grace, 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 grace. And here's, here's what I think is so beautiful about grace is it, we don't stay kind of being uh, with the sense of being saved by grace in a way that doesn't change our behavior. It's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer described as cheap grace that as we are transformed by God's grace, one of my favorite ways to explain this to young people, including my own three kids, is as we're transformed by grace, we become full of gratitude and our lives become great big thank you notes back to God um, because of the grace that we've experienced. So grace in its best sense does lead to transformation as well as an external manifestation of that grace by the way that we take care of ourselves, our world, and others better. Studies continue to show that this generation of teenagers and emerging young adults are, are dealing with higher levels of anxiety. You were talking about yeah. this earlier than the generations before them. Bare spots in character does not cause anxiety. Um, but what are the correlations between the character yeah. gaps you notated and the high levels of anxiety among this yeah. group? Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked that question. And I think what I'd love to do, Andy, is actually talk about the first point in the five-point compass of Faith Beyond Youth Group, which is my first answer to your question. Because when we studied churches that were uh, building faith beyond youth group, when we looked at the research that all sorts of people had done on character and, 
and what it looks like to love others. Um, we were struck by five different five different action steps. The first one, and I'll present them in the most common chronological order, not the only chronological order, but the most common chronological order, is that um, a, a church, a community earns trust. A church or a community, a leader builds trust. This is a generation that doesn't trust institutions. Um, part of the anxiety they fear, they, they feel the, the fear that they, that they feel is because they don't feel like so much of what we, we've been able to count on in the past is trustworthy, including the church. I mean, like the church and politicians are kind of neck and neck at the bottom for being trustworthy with this next generation. And so, um, you know, what we want to invite leaders to do, like as a starting point is to build trust. And in the book, we tell the story of a youth leader who got a 2 a.m. phone call from a student in the youth ministry. And, you know, if you've been in youth ministry, 2 a.m. phone calls are never good. 2 a.m. phone calls are never good, period. Um, and sure enough, this one wasn't good. And it was it was a young person, we'll call him Marcus, who called the youth leader to say, hey, I just slept with my girlfriend, who was also part of the youth ministry. And so the youth leader said, man, let's meet for breakfast tomorrow morning. I want to talk in person. They meet for breakfast. and. And the youth leader is explaining, you know, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. And I mean, just trying to share these truths about repentance, forgiveness. And after a few minutes, the kid who, again, we'll call Marcus, the kid stopped him and said, um, thanks for saying all that. Actually, you don't need to say any more. I didn't actually sleep with my girlfriend last night. I wanted to see how you would respond to me if I had. Um, and to me, that's just a fascinating example of what young people feel like, can they trust us to be there when they've made a mistake, when they've blown it, when they're having a hard day? And if they don't feel like they have that community, then no wonder they feel more anxious, alone, depressed, et cetera. So Stephen Covey has a phrase, we can move at the speed of trust. And I think that's true, period. Like, I think that's true in a ministry partnership. I think that's true in a marriage. I think that's true parent-child. And I think that's true uh, in, in church leadership. We can move at the speed of trust. And so, you know, that's one of the first ways that we can help this anxious generation is to build trust, to listen, to empathize to them, because those are the kind of steps that do build that trust. We all know the trends around church participation, especially post high school. Um, Pew studies have found that 9.2% of adults are leaving the church each decade. Um, at face value, these trends are, you know, simultaneously bewildering and frightening. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us about the research behind a faith beyond youth group before we actually get into some of the practical nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like, like most good research does, we started with the literature review where we reviewed all the academic uh, work that we could find on character, on faith development, on discipleship, et cetera. Um, and then we paired that with interviews, focus groups, and site visits. Interviews and focus groups with uh, with young people and with churches and then site visits at churches. And, you know, what's interesting, Andy, is a lot of times at the Full Youth Institute, we pursue an exemplar methodology where we're looking at, you know, 
those who have a great track record. And that was true with some of these churches, but we on purpose made a slightly different characterization. We were looking for noteworthy churches when it comes to Faith Beyond Youth Group. Because honestly, we wanted churches that weren't necessarily all superstars, but were more typical churches, and yet had something noteworthy happening when it came to Faith Beyond Youth Group. And we thought that would actually make our findings more translatable. Uh, in the end to youth leaders and pastors and faith communities. And I think that's happened. So it was a wonderful combination of, um, of you know, lots of time on online and pouring over academic and popular understandings of faith development, character and virtue, and then also being with real life youth leaders, young people, parents, et cetera, especially during these site visits. Since 2016, CBF has brought you episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. So you were you talked about this a little bit earlier, but you illustrate the work around a compass of five points: cultivating yeah. trust, model growth, teacher transformation, practice together, and making meaning. I want to spend just a little bit of time just talking about a few of these. Obviously, Great. we ultimately want to point people to the book, right? You know, yeah. and purchase purchase it. So let's let's break some of these down to size. We know that one of the major reasons people are leaving the church is their distrust of the local church around issues of belonging and socio-political perspectives and more. How do we cultivate trust in an era of uh, uh, division? Uh, but more importantly, these tremendous generational gaps that I yeah. think we're seeing, you know, probably for the first time, and there's always been generational gaps, right? But it right. feels like this current era of generational gaps is larger than any other yeah. generation before us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I, I got to admit, I don't have data to to affirm what you're saying that the generation gaps are getting larger or more severe but i anecdotally it sure does seem like that i was reflecting reflecting recently with some 20 somethings about how quickly slang is changing these days like because of social media because of technology like words come in like a tidal wave and then they wash out pretty quickly that was not true when i was a teenager like it took a longer for a word to come in and then it stayed around longer before it eventually dissipated uh, and I think, you know, the pace of change is such because of how technology can bring about quick change and then cause an exit of that change that I do think, uh, again, anecdotally, I think the generation differences are, are getting even larger. Um, in terms of building trust, you know, again, I love that Covey quote, we can move at the speed of trust. And here's the good news, and we talk about this in our book, that trust, trust is earned one small act at a time. It's not grand gestures that so much build trust. It's, it's simple things. And again, this is such good news because any adult can do it. It's asking a question of a young person. It's listening to a young person. It's following up. If you ask, hey, how can I be praying for you? Text them a week later and see how that's going. 
It's showing up when you say you're going to. It's revealing who you are, you know, back a little bit to the question about mental health. Um, while we certainly don't want to emotionally vomit all over our young people, like when we can share a little bit about our anxieties and our fears, that actually builds trust because they start to realize, oh, you're not so different than me. We actually have more in common. So, so this is, you know, fantastic news for any church that it's a lot of everyday actions of listening, loving, and empathizing that build trust with this generation. And let me just say, I mean, we are so quick to judge this generation and most descriptors we have for millennials and now Gen Z or Gen Alpha. I mean, they're mostly negative, but if we can, let's have the church be a place, not that judges, but that journeys with young people. A play, the, what if the church could be the most empathetic place that young people have ever experienced? Like that, that would be game changing on so many levels. So, so yes, it's little acts of listening and showing tangible love. Yeah, and, and talk about modeling. You wrote, they're watching and our actions either build or break down trust. Uh, when we live consistently, we let them know that they can trust us with parts of themselves they might be hesitant to bring to church, including their doubts, their questions, mistakes, and hurts. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as, as I was alluding to before, kind of, I, I hear these generational questions all the time when I visit our churches, mainly our churches that tend to be kind of one generation boomers. Um, and, and I mean, quite literally every other generation is missing in these assumptions that, that, yeah, that yeah. come there. And so it makes building these relationships difficult. Um, so, yeah. so what, what does that kind of, of uh, modeling relationships look like in church? And I'm especially yeah. thinking about for churches that no longer have a traditional youth group model due to a lack yeah. of critical mass or, yeah. or leadership. Yeah, uh, great question. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, and this is where you, you already mentioned step one or point one in the compass is, is building trust and point two is modeling growth. And these two really go hand in hand. What was uh, striking to me as we did this research and as I did a few church sites visits is talking with young people who didn't just want to hear uh, you know, about, about adults' victories but they wanted to hear about adults' valleys too. They wanted to hear about adults' struggles and how they were experiencing Jesus in the midst of that. And so, um, so you know, I, I think for uh, adults who feel like, oh, I have to have it all together in my relationship with Jesus, and that's all I can talk about with young people. No, young people wanna hear, again, we need to have the right emotional boundaries here, but young people wanna also know like, how did we recover when we made a mistake? And what questions are we wrestling with when it comes to our faith? So I'd, I'd say for the typical adult, be a little bit more vulnerable about your own struggles and, you know, the, not just the highs, but the lows. Something else that was really important in our research is that adults would be honest and create space where we could talk about our faith as a growing entity. Um, so one of the couple questions that we love to suggest to leaders or any adult to use with a young person is, what do you now believe, you ask the young person, what do you now believe that you think I no longer believe? And what do you no longer believe that you think I still do believe? So that we can just have honest conversations about how our faith is changing. And, and this is where we live in this weird space, Andy, where we want our faith to grow we want young people's faith to grow, but we get anxious when faith changes. 
And that just doesn't make sense, right? Like that, those changes, that ongoing processing, uh, you know, it's far better to let young people talk about that and, and for us to be totally overt that your faith is going to end up in a different space than mine. And my faith is going to end up a little different than yours. And our faith is big enough to hold all of that because Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate tent pole in our faith. So, so those are just a couple things, being more honest about how, you know, my faith might be different than yours or what I'm learning and what you're learning. And then also just sharing more of our challenges. Let's take this kind of one step further for, for many Please. ministers, this will require a shift in their approach from programmatic. And I would even say, yes, even worship planning and sermon prep can be programmatic, Yeah, you know, to something wholly relational, you know, so yeah. what does that look like? What's your advice for ministers that their functionality in the church has been one way, but really this, this moment requires something totally different. The good news is we have experts in our midst and they don't have an hourly rate. All they want is a Frappuccino from Starbucks. And those are our young people. And so, you know what, it's interesting. I was just talking to one of my kids about this, that in social media, there's more and more a movement to show imperfection, to show flaws. There's more and more people on social media not wearing makeup and, you know, being quote, more authentic end quote. And like how rich for a senior pastor of any age to take a young person or two or three out for coffee or frappuccino and have a conversation about, gosh, what is happening on social media? What new trends are you seeing? What do you think about our church gatherings? What feels really real to you in our church gatherings? And what feels a little bit more like a performance? Like, I, I mean, it's so interesting to me that we try to guess ourselves as adults uh, what young people are thinking or what they would feel and they're in our midst they are in our midst and so what a wonderful opportunity for us to elevate a young person by inviting them to a meeting taking them out for coffee and letting them be experts for 20 minutes or an hour and see what you learn so i mean honestly that's my first recommendation is spend time with young people they'll blow you away we are pausing to tell you about one of our collaborative annual sponsors, A Model Ministry. Are you a church leader who's committed to keeping children safe? If so, then A Model Ministry is for you. We are a registered nonprofit organization specializing in safety education, policy writing, and risk assessment to mitigate child abuse in ministry organizations. We understand that child safety is a top priority for churches, and we are here to create a safe and nurturing environment for all children. Our founders can provide the resources and support needed to implement effective child safety policies and procedures. Visit amodelministry.com to learn more about our services and how we can help keep children safe. Let's take a break to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work. What is social work? At Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, it's empowerment, service, and justice. It's ministry, counseling, and relationship building. It's faith, practice, and community. But above all, it's learning how to help others thrive. Social workers can be found addressing the full scope of the human experience in churches, schools, prisons, government agencies, senior living centers, nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies. Careers in social work profession are vast and varied. What is social work, you ask? It's much more than you think. Visit gsswstories.baylor.edu to explore more. There is a, a, a real tension in our churches right now over socio-political issues. Yeah. Um, this tends to be 
generational with older generations, sometimes having a limited view to the validity of the values in correspondence to the identity of young Christ followers. Yeah. Um, now I was recently writing an article for our magazine talking about the, the longer you continue to invalidate these perspectives of young adults, the more you are going to continue to not create space for them in our churches. Sure. You know, climate change, sexuality and gender issues, political yeah. tension, issues of yeah. race and immigration, among many things that emerging young adults care about. You know, for, for many of our churches, this element is is missing or feels detached from our weekly spiritual formation. And yeah. you all in the book talk about how we teach impacts people's ability to learn. So how yeah. do we how do we cultivate, as you all are talking about in this book, this culture of teaching transformation when it feels like there is this um this this tension that exists there between what generations value and what they see as part of spiritual formation, if that makes any yeah, sense. For sure. What a shame if the church is the one place where young people don't hear about the issues they care about most. <laughs> like, what kind of message is that sending to young people when we're silent on what data shows they care about? Like, you've just rattled off some climate care, sex trafficking, immigrant reform, etc. Um, but it doesn't mean we have to be monolithic. It doesn't mean we have to be, uh, you know, unanimous in one position because we aren't. No church is. And I'll tell you, one church that was one of the site visits, it, it was interesting, you know, to pay attention when we met with young people, volunteers, the youth pastor, parents, and then the senior pastor. And when all five of those entities would all share the same stories that shared so, that, you know, that revealed something that was particularly positive and impactful. And with one church, when we met with all five of those entities, they all told the same story. And it was actually uh, around the 2020 election where um the elder board had an idea and they came to the senior pastor with this idea hey one of us is an ardent joe biden supporter and another one of us is an ardent donald trump supporter what if we had a dialogue on zoom about why we why we have those positions and how our faith is part of our politics and the senior pastor was candid at first he's like no way are we doing that uh-uh i want no part of that but I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or others or both, but he eventually became open to it. And so, you know, this church that they were in a region that was still Zoom, still locked down. Um, so, you know, after several months, six, seven, eight months of meeting on Zoom, they then do this Zoom webinar. And again, every person that we talked to, every grouping we talked to mentioned it as something they were really proud of at their church, that they could have that kind of discussion even even and not agree, but at least be able to talk about the issues. Now, I've shared that with a couple live groups in the last week and, you know, groups of leaders. And I'll say, how many of you would just say there's no way my church could have a discussion like that prior to, you know, let's just make it the 2024 election and about a third of the room's hands go up. So so for some churches, like doing something like that is too big of a stretch. But then my question for you is, okay, what is what is the right amount of stretch where you're you're tackling issues and and you're bringing in a few different perspectives so that we can wrestle a little bit more? Because I mean, young people are seeing all sorts of viewpoints online, and then when church isn't discussing or church feels like a monolith, then no wonder it feels hollow and superficial. Uh, one of the quotes that really galvanized us to write a previous book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, was a young person who said, 
I'm tired of the church answering questions I'm not asking. So man, I'm, I'm tired of a church that's answering questions that young people aren't asking also. And so, so how can we, how, and again, spend time with young people, they'll tell you the questions that they're asking uh, and then decide, okay, how can our church talk about them? How can we present a few different viewpoints or at least give space for a couple different perspectives to be raised and show connections to faith. So that's out, that's one of our ideas in our Teach for Transformation point of the compass. Yeah, and I, I think you're you're speaking on the tension that exists within many churches, right? So CBF, you know, Baptist principles, separation of church and state, yeah. um, and of recognizing those boundaries that exist there. And then we see the extremes, right? We see the churches that are almost like uh, local forms of patriotism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Form. White yeah. Christian nationalism is yeah. part of the conversation. And so we almost throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, we don't even engage these things at all. Or... We have ministers that give these like veiled sermons uh, where clearly they're taking pot shots at a p- particular political party or political persuasion. And 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 it's like we're missing the opportunity that's there. Yeah. And my doctoral background is around uh, more kind of organizational psychology. And I think what tends to happen is we think that if we avoid it, somehow it's going to fix itself. Right. And in, in right. avoiding it, we aren't creating that space for people to a be accountable for the things that they're posting online and believing and actually having people they love and trust maybe push back on them yeah. and have some healthy dialogue in the first place. So what you know, is that kind of that like yeah. sweet spot in between yeah. thread the needle that I think for many pastors probably listening to, especially if they're maybe the only pastor there that's a difficult needle to thread. Mm. And so maybe it's better just to avoid it altogether, which I, I'm, I'm affirming both of those perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just avoid it because that's difficult. And those that are trying in good faith to try to engage those conversations. But this generation, <laughs> more than any other generation, it feels like, is like, if you're not going to talk about it, then I'm going to go somewhere else that is going to talk about it. And so yeah. the church needs to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and I, I started with politics and maybe that's a little bit too heated. So, I mean, there are other topics that are a, a little bit less of a third rail that one might be able to touch. Um, it could be related to race, for instance. It could be a local situation where a church is wrestling with, you know, how do we care for this group of people here, different perspectives. It could be a little bit more abstract. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Biden and Trump, so that all of a sudden became personal <laughs> as in connected with persons. Yeah. But I mean, I know committed Jesus followers who their faith leads them to be Democrats. And I know committed Jesus followers who their faith leads them to be Republicans. And for very, very good reasons. Maybe can we talk about that even without a, without getting connected to various candidates? Just what about our faith? What about scripture would lead us to one or would lead us to the other? So, and again, I just went back to politics again. So uh, that might be too heated, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you rattled off a number of questions and uh, you know, if it's too hard to have the conversation, at least invite young people into the conversation about if we can have the conversation. (laughs) So, you know, I, 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 there will be some churches where anything you and I just mentioned in the last four minutes is still too much of a hot potato. Well, how about if we have young people like process some of that with us and have young people think with us about what could we maybe talk about in this church that that fits us or or maybe in the youth group that might be a better context or in bible study or in particular small groups or whatever it might be 
let's talk about uh, making meaning. Um, faithful leaders, you wrote, uh, guide students through these cycles of actions and reflection. We make meaning, uh, tapping into the power of naming experience, evaluating our actions, and connecting to the larger biblical narrative yeah. before we go out and try again. Um, you know, I think of the challenges for the church today um, that they're we're having to ask a different set of questions than probably many errors before us in the church. And because everything is so rapidly changing and our culture is so rapidly developing, it feels like it's at a pace in which maybe it's difficult for churches to kind of create meaning in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe our role isn't to be responsive or to think ahead, but to, to equip people to be able to, no matter the circumstances, make meaning. So what does that practically look like in the way yeah. that you all have conveyed it in the book? Yeah, yeah. So so thanks. Um, you know, we talked about teacher transformation. The fourth point in the compass is practice together, which is actually a point that I was initially opposed to. And I was totally wrong because it's absolutely super important. So I went through my own growth journey. And then the fifth point in the compass is making meaning. You know, young people are like sprinting through life and don't often stop and are able to process and think. And so so we offer three simple questions. Uh, that any adult can use with a young person. What happened? What could it mean? And what is God inviting me into? So a little bit of a just describe what you experienced. Okay, now let's go a little bit deeper and, you know, what might it mean? And then the third is, is there an invitation from God in the midst of this experience for you to take a next step or have a next reflection question or whatever it might be? And so, so you know, i as you were talking, Andy, I was thinking about um, how important it is to also equip parents to be able to make meaning. I mean, you were talking about your kids, my kids are older than yours, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm with my kids so much more in a typical week than, than anybody else. Um, and so how am I as a parent getting some of these skills? And so it's been interesting, while Faith Beyond Youth Group is a book really geared for youth group, one of the surprises as people have been pre-reading it is actually this is really important for families too. We need to equip families with these skills too. So it, it's got dual purpose there. The last question is, um, like most of your books, it's not just here are all the ideas, now do something with it. Um, it's very practical. It's very yeah. resourceful. Walk us through yeah. why you all design it that way and what you hope uh, the readers will get out of that practicality. So our experience has been, um, it's easier to figure out what needs to change than to know how to bring about change in a church or really any, any ecosystem. And so we actually give an entire last chapter on Faith Beyond Youth Group where a leader can do a real quick assessment on how they're doing with each of the points of the five compasses and then think about what might be some initial steps who can help me and so we've we've actually designed the last chapter to be a plan um a, a plan setting document because i'm tired of books i just read and don't think about again we want this to be a book that almost becomes like a manual and makes a difference in the next year or years of a youth ministry. And so that last chapter especially is a, is a, is a guided process to know your next key action steps. Our guest is the great Kara Powell. The book is Faith Beyond Youth Group. Check out her work at fulleryouthinstitute.org. 
Uh, Kara, it's always uh, a joy uh, speaking with you. Thank you for your good work in developing a faith beyond youth group, a faith that lasts for a teenager's entire life. My pleasure. Great to be with you and honored to be part of what God's doing in your church family also. We are grateful for a chance to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Zondervan Media Group. Explore the depth and beauty of Scripture with the NRSV Updated Edition. With provisions based on new contextual evidence, historical insights, and linguistic precision, this updated edition of the NRSV delivers a translation of Scripture based on meticulous care for accuracy and readability. Learn more about new editions of the NRSV UE from Zondervan at nrsvuebible.com. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's Gardner Webb University School of Divinity, a model ministry, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, and Zondervan Media Company. Check out more at cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and more. And I'm not sure if we mentioned that you should join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.